I want you to open your Bibles today, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, you know the last couple of weeks we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we've been talking about God's definition of love. We've been talking about what it means to really love according to God's plan and God's will. And we have walked through that passage, getting a very clear picture, a, a definition, a description of not the world's view of love, but God's view of love. Not what the world says is important, but rather what God says is important, of how we respond and how we treat those that are important to us, but also how we treat those that we may not even know. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to continue this conversation in a, in a different light, in a, in a different bent. So we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, talking about what love looks like, what love is. Today we're going to talk about love in action. We're going to talk about like how it should impact us and how we live. Like, what are the steps that we have to take in order to fulfill God's command, God's definition of love? And today, as we're kind of walking through this passage, and then over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking kind of specifically to men. Now, ladies that are here, I don't want you to say, well, you know, good, I've got the next week, couple weeks off. I can just chill out, take it easy. I don't even, I'm going to go and hang out, you know, at the coffee shop. That, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the next couple of weeks are going to be one of the greatest opportunities in your life, ladies, for you to elbow your husband during the entire sermon. I am setting this thing up perfectly so men are going to be very uncomfortable over the next couple of weeks. Why? Because God expects a lot out of men. Now, ladies, I'm not giving you guys a pass, okay? There will be some moments, guys, okay? I'm going to give you some encouragement because I'm one of you, okay? I'm going to give you some encouragement. There are going to be some moments that you can elbow back, okay? I promise you. This is going to be a two-way street of what it really means to put love in action. And I want to just read today two verses that we're going to be walking through, uh, an important passage. And it's kind of, again, you know this, Paul is writing this letter. He's writing to the church of Corinth. It's, again, following up the same letter that we were talking about last week and the week before, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, describing love, talking about love, what love is, what love does, what love acts like, what love does not act like. And then this is kind of the end of the letter. So what we were in last week and the week before was kind of like paragraph number four and five of this letter. And now we're going to hit paragraph like, you know, six and a half. Because what this is, is kind of this, this, this odd little phrase that Paul interjected into this letter it's kind of a standalone. In fact, if you read through, we're not going to do it today, but I encourage you to do this. Do this. If you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and you kind of walk through that entire chapter, it kind of like takes this picture. It kind of walks you through this journey. And then like right out of the blue, like just, all, just all of a sudden, like Paul interjects these two sentences that we're going to talk about today that really are not connected to the sentence before, not connected to the sentence after, but very much connected to the heart of the entire letter. Now, as we walk through this, uh, this, this passage, these two verses, I want us to get a picture again of what it really means to put love in action. And I want us to think about this in the context of what we talked about the last two weeks. 
Okay? Now, if you've not been here the last two weeks, you are not, like, missing it. You're not, like, you know, totally clueless throughout this entire time together. I promise you, you'll pick up on it. Basically, the passages that we've been walking through the last couple of weeks from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is just the idea that love is, you know, it's not rude, it's kind, it's patient, it, it never fails, it hangs in there, it keeps no record of wrongs. All of those things that, that you've heard before, that's what we walked through the last couple of weeks, Okay? So think about that context and what we're going to talk about today, this little kind of abbreviated moment that Paul interjected into this letter to the church at Corinth. And think about it in the process. What does that mean for me? Like, like how does this impact me? And by the way, as an aside, every time that you read or hear the Word of God, every time that a, a preacher gets up and shares a verse, or every time that you open your Bible or open your phone or open your computer and read a verse, always think about it in the context of how does this impact me? This week, my son Jonathan was, uh, we're, we're reading through the Bible. And, and so, you know, throughout this year, we're, we're all reading through the Bible. And, and, and so I've challenged them to kind of stick it out and, you know, keep moving, keep moving forward. And so I got an email this week, that, our text this week, Jonathan texted our entire family and he's in the book of Leviticus. And in all caps, he's like, Leviticus. You know, I can just see kind of his thought. As he's reading through the book of Leviticus, you know, like challenging him, right? And so he's kind of like, you know, pushing through the book of Leviticus. Like, like, why am I reading this? Listen, God does not put anything in his word that can't change your life. Everything within the pages of God's word will impact you if you listen. And so always think of God's word in the context of a, what does this mean to me? How will this impact me? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 13 and 14. It says this, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Let me read this one more time. It's a short little passage, like a sentence and a half. And so Paul writes these words, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Now you hear those words and man, that, that's a great statement, right? I mean, that, you can just see like somebody posting that on Twitter or Facebook with like a picture of an ocean and a, you know, and a ship kind of sailing across the sea. And the, you can see that kind of that, 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 that picture of somebody putting up some really cool little graphic with those words on top because it sounds great. Watch, be strong, be brave, stand fast in the faith. Let everything that you do be done with love. Man, that sounds awesome. But today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through and kind of really look at what does that mean. Because oftentimes in God's Word, we hear words that are kind of inspiring and encouraging, like, that's great, that's an awesome statement, and I want to say that to someone, I want to share that with someone, without actually taking the time to figure out what does this mean. Because when you read God's Word, we should not be reading God's Word to figure out, hey, how can I create a graphic that I can put on Facebook? We need to be thinking, how can this change my life? And so that's what we're going to be doing today, and walking through and talking through this passage of getting a picture of what does this look like. Okay, so when you walk through and you look at the statement, this idea, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you be done, uh, let all that you do be done with love. There's kind of four thoughts that for me kind of 
are important part of this passage. Like, like, like things that just kind of jump out when I read this. And whenever I read God's Word, I think I've told you this before, whenever I read God's Word, I like to take God's Word, and again, I'm not changing God's Word, but I like to take God's Word and put it in kind of like little, small little snippets that kind of just resonate in my brain. It's kind of like when I look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and you know that passage where it says that God will give to us the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? What I read that as and what I take that as and what I kind of resonates in my mind is that God will give us the peace that doesn't make sense, right? So I'm not adding to God's word. I'm not taking away from God's word. I'm just trying to put it in a context of like, how can I get this where it will actually change me and shape me as I walk forward? And so that's what we're going to do today. When we talk about love and action, what does God expect from us? How does he want us to act? And the first thing that I kind of, that I kind of grab a hold of this, this verse that kind of comes in my mind, when we talk about that first is watch, that one word watch. It's the idea of this, it's, it's to be ready. That Paul is telling us, be ready. Now he's not talking about like, look out the front door. He's not telling us to watch who's coming down the street. He's not telling us to be careful that we might walk into a pole as we're walking down the street looking at our phones. Anybody ever done that? I, come on, let me be honest. Anybody ever walked into a pole or you've seen the videos where people are walking through a mall, they're on their phone and they trip and they fall into the fountains, right? That's the reason they've gotten rid of fountains in, in malls is because of cell phones. It's the reason they've gotten rid of those things because people, they keep walking in. That's a true statement, by the way. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's true. So that's a little tidbit. You can walk out of a man. I've been made better today knowing that fountains are no longer in malls because of cell phones. And our lawyers in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. Am I right, Brandon? You got that. Okay. So he's saying watch. So what is he talking about? He's telling us to be ready, but he's telling us to be ready about a very important thing because this statement is given by Paul as a reminder to those in Corinth and a reminder to us here today, always be ready for the sudden return of Jesus. When the Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour, that no one has any context. The Bible talks about how he will come like a thief in the night. Now, have any of you ever, in this room, have you ever had something stolen from you? Just raise your hand if you've had something stolen from you. Has anyone ever had someone break in your house and steal something from you? Or in your car or something like that? Right. Let me ask you a question. Did they ever send you a notice ahead of time to say, hey, tomorrow night I'm going to be breaking in your house and I'm going to steal all your stuff? Did anybody get a notice from that? Did, did anybody, was anybody told ahead of time that, you know, by the thieves that, hey, I'm going to show up, and you know that watch that you got for retiring? Man, it's a beautiful watch, so tomorrow, enjoy it today, because tomorrow I'm going to steal it, right? Nobody gets those notices. Nobody is a, allowed the, the privilege of knowing the information of when the thieves are going to show up and take away what's there. And so the Bible tells us that he will come like a thief in the night. In other words, without us knowing, without any foreknowledge, without any context, without anything happening to let us know that today is the day that one day the trumpet will sound, the clouds will be rolled back, and Christ will return. And we who believe in, have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, we won't be here. Man, my prayer and my hope, i got to be honest with you, my prayer and my hope is it will happen in the, when we're here in this room. I hope that Jesus returns on a Sunday morning. I hope he returns on a Sunday morning right in the middle of a service. And you guys are awesome, so it might be the 915 service, right? The 11 o'clock guys, they're just going to have to pay the price for being late. But wouldn't it be cool if Jesus returned in a minute, like, we're sitting, right, we're, like we're sitting here and we're worshiping. Talking about our God will never change, and instantly we're in his presence. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? 
I said, so Paul's writing this passage saying, listen, be ready. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes fixed on what is to come. You know why? Because when we walk through life with the context of, of believing that at any moment, at any instance, in any situation, at any place that Christ could return, it will change the way that you think about God's will and God's mission for your life. It will change the way that you act. It will change the way that you live. It will change the way that you think about your neighbor. It will change the way that you think about your enemies. It will change the way that you think about those who don't like you. It will change the way that you think about those who believe things totally different than what you believe. Now, the way that I've just said that kind of drives us back to what Jesus said. Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, that you love your neighbor, but I say, love your enemy. So you see how this all kind of ties together? How this picture all kind of works together is that Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to love. And now here we're talking about love and action. Love and action is ready. It's like you're watching, you're keeping your eyes open, your ears open, your heart open to what could happen in any moment. And when you're walking through life like that, then what will naturally be a result of that is that you will care about the people around you. You will care about what they do with their faith. You'll care about what they believe in the God that you celebrate, the God that you talk about. First chapter, uh, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 says this, So be on your guard. Be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. We live in a world today of distractions. We live in a world today where every single day when we get up, it is so easy to get off mission and off track. It is so easy because of all the things that are around us. It's so easy because of the things that we carry in our pockets, phones, that we can get so distracted and so pulled in different directions, the, the, the YouTubes and the Netflix and the Facebooks and the Twitters and all the things that are out there that can divert our attention away from God's plan and God's direction, God's will for our lives. And so in First Thessalonians, said, listen, man, be on your guard. Don't be asleep like everybody else. And I don't think that he's talking about those who are actually like, you know, in their bed taking a nap. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. I think what he's talking about is people who either do one of two things. Number one, don't care. They're apathetic to what happens in the world. They're apathetic to what happens to their neighbor. I don't care if my neighbor goes to heaven or hell. It's kind of that picture. So, so number one, I believe Paul's talking about those who, who are apathetic, who don't care. Number two, I think he's talking about to those who are not paying attention, those who are distracted. And as followers of Christ, I've got to be honest with you, we fall in one of those two categories. We fall in one of those two categories. Now, there's a third category that Paul's trying to challenge us to, and that's actually like caring, like focusing, paying attention. And so that's why he says, listen, don't be like those others who are asleep. Man, keep your guard up. Keep watching. Be ready. Don't miss it. Be ready to jump at a moment's notice to do what you can to help people recognize who Christ is. And so Paul starts this verse in 1 Corinthians 16. Again, kind of this weird little sentence in the middle of a passage. If you go up a couple of verses, he's talking about Apollos and others you know, who might be coming and things that are going on there. You go a couple of verses after and you begin to see a picture of, of kind of like him talking about, you know, I'm going to come and, and I'll be there and hey, things are great and hey, say hi to this person. I mean, it's this weird little sentence. 
It's kind of like if I were talking to you, Rob, and I say, hey, Rob, man, how'd your golf game go the other day? Was it awesome? Did you play golf? Hey, how's your family? How's how's Paula? How's Emma? Oh, by the way, man, believe in God. Hey, I hope you have a great day. I mean, it's kind of that weird little statement, right? Right in the middle of the sentence. And so why did Paul say it? Because here, it's important. We've got to watch. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on what God has for us, watching for what is yet ahead. And so he gives us that picture. Man, be ready. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, listen to what it says here. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Listen to this last sentence. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. You see the picture here that Paul has given us in one simple word, the word watch. He's telling us, be ready. Keep your eyes open. Keep them fixed on what could happen at any moment. And if you do that, it'll change the way that you treat others. It'll change the way that you act towards others. It'll change the way you respond to his calling on your life. It'll also change on the way that you act inside. It'll change what you think about. It'll change what you look at. It'll change how you treat your family members and your friends. It'll change your relationship to sin. If you think about in our walk with God, if we're always recognizing that Christ could appear at any moment, it's going to make it very difficult for us to do some of the things that we do when we just think, like, it doesn't matter. It's not hurting anyone. There are people today that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography and, and, and many other types of sin. And as they walk through that journey of being addicted, they honestly have this concept, this idea, number one, it doesn't hurt anybody. I'm not hurting anybody else. I got plenty of time. It doesn't really matter how I live. I can do whatever I want. And Paul addresses that with one word, watch. Watch. Be ready. Because when you live with that kind of eagerness of expecting of what Christ might do, what it will do is it will drive you to keep yourself pure. There are some men and there are some women seated in this room today that needed to hear that word from God right there. Of recognizing you need to keep yourself pure because at any moment, God might act. Be ready. The next thing I get from this verse is this. Be ready, but be right. Be ready, like always focused on what's going to happen. Always focused that Christ could return. Always focused on our will and our, uh, His will and our mission and our plan in life. Always be ready as it relates back to how we act. But also be right. Look what it says in the second part of verse 13. Stand fast in the faith. And what that really kind of gives us a context of is this. Is be committed to the doctrines that are found in God's word. Be committed to standing on what is true. Don't be committed to standing on what the world says is cool, is in style, is in vogue. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about which way the winds are blowing in today's culture. Don't worry about what the politicians are saying. Don't worry about what the news media is reporting. Don't worry about what books are selling more than other books. Don't worry about what this self-help guy might tell you that you need to do in order to be successful. He's saying this, stand fast in your faith. Stand on doctrine. Stand on God's word. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. And I will tell you today 
that there are far too many believers, Christ followers today, who are not remaining true to the Lord. They're not remaining true to doctrine. They're not remaining true to God's call, God's command, God's plan for our lives. And we see it all the time. It's tragic. We saw a couple of weeks ago when the Houston Chronicle reported uh, in articles that came out in the paper there talking about churches all over America that when sexual sin happened in their church, when abuse happened in their church, that rather than stand on the truth of God's Word, rather dealing with it, uh, dealing with it the way that God's Word tells us to deal with it, they hid it, and they swept it under the carpet, and they tried to keep it quiet because they didn't want to ruin their reputation. They didn't want to harm their, their impact in the community. They didn't want to tarnish their good name. And by worrying about tarnishing their good name, what they have tarnished is the great name of God. Because when you do not stay true to the Lord, will it ruin your reputation? It might. But I can guarantee you when we as followers of Christ are not remaining true and steadfast in our belief and our doctrine and being pure to what God's Word says and God tells us to do, when we don't do that, what we are doing is we are damaging the name of God Himself. Because we are portraying to the world that having faith in God, of being a Christ follower, of walking in His way, doesn't really mean anything at all of value. And so Paul writes in this little aside in the middle of 1 Corinthians, and he says this, man, stand fast in your faith. The church today has been damaged around the globe because of leaders, because of pastors, because of worship leaders, because of family members who have not stayed true remain steadfast in their faith in what God has called them to do. In unlocking the scriptures for you, Keith Stanton writes these words, false doctrines always lead to loose morals. False doctrine always leads to loose morals. Now, how does that relate back to us? Here's how it relates back to us. When you are not digging into God's word to find out what doctrine is, you can almost guarantee that your life will be walking away from what God says. When you're not focused on what God does and who God is and what He commands of us, you can guarantee, man, you're going to walk down whatever path the world is telling you to walk down because you don't know any better. And to be honest with you, you don't really care that much. You can stand here and you can wave your faith flag. You can stand here and sing the songs. You can stand here and hold up your your Bible. You can stand here and be here every time the doors are open for a church. You can do all of those things. But if we are not getting into the doctrine of God's Word, then we will be diverted and we will be distracted and we will be pulled away from the doctrine of God's Word. And it happens every single day. And Paul says this, listen, you want to be a person that is making an impact in this world for God, men, women, here's what you do. Men, you watch, you be ready, but here's what you are. Stand fast in the truth of God's Word. That's why I challenge every single one of you to read God's Word. That's why I tell you every time I have the opportunity, man, dig into God's Word, read it. Hebrews 4.12, it's living, it's powerful, sharp and a two-edged sword. It'll change you whether you like it or not. You can sit there every single day, you can read this book, Like my son Jonathan reading this book in the the book of Leviticus, sitting there like wondering, like, why does it matter how many times I cut up that animal? 
Why does it matter where I put his blood and his entrails? Why does that matter? Here's why. Because if God put it in his word, it will change you for good whether you like it or not. So man, dig into God's word. Stand fast in the faith, recognizing that it actually does matter. Be committed to doctrine because if you're not committed to doctrine, you will fall to the world's plan every single time. So be ready. Be right. Here's the next one. Be tough. Be tough. Look what it says in this passage. It says, be brave and be strong. Be brave and be strong. Now, that, the Greek word there is the word andridzomai, which literally means to show oneself a man. This is God, through the Apostle Paul, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking, breathing out into the hand of Paul, writing these words. And here's what God says to you and to me. Man up. Be a man. Be a man. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that in today's culture, in today's context, every time that we hear the word or the phrase about being a man, it's always used in a derogatory term. The men in today's world are always kind of put into two categories. They're either put into the category of a bully or they're put into a category of a baby. They're either someone who abuses and someone who treats others badly who kind of walks in with a swagger and takes over and is in control and, and it doesn't really matter what they, what they do. It doesn't matter who they hurt because they're a man. They can do whatever they want. Or they're on the other side where their masculinity has been drained, has been pulled out of them, and they're nothing but a big baby. And regardless, our culture today makes fun of men in one of those two contexts. But I can tell you today, God does not want you to be a bully and God does not want you to be a baby. God wants you to be a man. And not the world's definition of men. I hate what the world has done to masculinity. I mean, they're trying to do everything they can to rob men of being men. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are some men out there that need to be taken out behind the woodshed and, and shown a few things. I, I get that, right? There are some men out there who are abusers. There are men out there who are hurt. There are men out there who are bad, behave, uh, bad behavior and, and bad actors. All that is true. But what our culture is doing today is they are trying to go after every single man to keep us from being what God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Be a man. Our, our um, a country used to you know, have that phrase. You walked into a post office and you would you know, see Uncle Sam there and he pointing in your face. And what he'd say, we're looking for a few good men, right? The Marines, we're looking for a few good men. Have you noticed they're not saying that anymore? Have you noticed that's disappeared? You don't hear that phrase anymore. Why? Because of what the culture is doing to men. Now, i got to be honest with you. When the culture believes that men are either bullies or babies, we can't really blame them. We can't really blame them for trying to keep us from being who God wants us to be. But yet the Apostle Paul is just saying here, man, listen, be a man. The problem is when we think of being a man, what we try to do is we think of it in the context of, or we look at examples of what being a man is by what men are in the culture. It's kind of this idea that, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like, you know, a Tom Brady, or I want to be like John Wayne, or I, I want to be, you know, this, this, this leader who comes in and, man, when they walk in the room, it's just like, everybody, you know, you know he-man, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you know that's what we want to be. But yet that is not what God's description and definition of what being a man is all about. We're going to get to that in a few moments. Because men, if you're sitting out here thinking, I'm a man, and so therefore because I'm a man, 
My wife's got to listen to everything that I say. I'm her boss and I can tell her what to do. If you walk into marriage with that viewpoint, I promise you this, you're about to spend a lifetime of hurt, pain, and anxiety because that's not what God says. If you're walking through life thinking I'm a man so I can treat people the way that I want to treat them. I don't have to man up and and deal with my my consequences of my actions. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because I'm a man. I can do what I want. If you walk through life with that idea, you're headed for trouble. You're headed for destruction because that's not what God tells us to do. So Paul says here, be brave, be strong, literally calling us to be a man. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12 says this, be courageous, be courageous. And by the way, you never use the word courage and apply it to people like men in our culture who abuse and treat others wrongly, do you? You can't put courage with that. When you hear of a man who abuses his wife, courage is never involved in that conversation, is it? When you hear of a man who abuses children, you never hear the word courage used in the same sentence. Why? Because they don't relate. God's word says be courageous. Let us fight bravely, and here's an important two words, for our people and the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. That right there, leave that verse back up on the screen if you would for a moment. That verse is a great picture of what it means to be a man in God's culture. That's a great verse of what it means to be a man in God's plan. Man, be a man of courage. Be courageous. Fight bravely, not just so you can win. Fight bravely for our people. Fight bravely for our cities. Oh, and then listen to this. And may God's will be done. In other words, it's not all about you. Do you see the picture of what being a man is all about? Another passage I'll give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Go back a couple of chapters we were in last week. And it says this. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. When I grew up, I stopped playing with G.I. Joes. When I grew up, I stopped trying to be Batman and Superman and Evil Knievel. When I was a kid, dude, I wanted to be all three. I wanted to figure out how can I be a guy who flies, who also has a cool Batmobile, but also can jump over 21 buses in front of Caesar's Palace. How can I do all of that together? Because I wanted to be Batman, Superman, and Evil Knievel. How many of you remember Evil Knievel? All the young people. Who is Evil Knievel? I'm just telling you, you were born at the wrong time, baby. Because Evil Knievel was the man. Am I right about that, guys? I mean, he was awesome. I had a shirt. I had a shirt that had the red, white, and blue stripes across it. My mom bought me a bike for my sixth, uh, for, let's see, my... My sixth grade, I don't know, fifth grade, she bought me a bike for my birthday. And when she bought me that bike, it was a bike that had a fake gas tank in front of it. And it had red and white and blue stripes. That man, I mean, it was so cool. I rode through that neighborhood. I, everybody worshipped me in that neighborhood because I was, I was Evil Knievel Jr. I jumped over the ditch in front of my house, baby. I did. I broke my collarbone on it. Now you say, well, he made a fool. No, no, the coolest thing about Evil Knievel jumps was not when he made it. Am I right? The coolest thing about Evil Knievel jumps is when he jumped and he wrecked. Every time the wide world of sports had him jumping across those motorcycles, every single one of us who were watching, please wreck, please wreck, please wreck. Be honest. How many of you were calling for wrecks? Hoping for wrecks? Yeah, for the rest of you are like, I, that shouldn't put my hand up because that's, that's not being a man. Man, I'm t- man up. We wanted him to wreck. 
But 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, when I grew up, I stopped doing the childish things. When I was a child, I did it. But then I became a man. And when I became a man, it means to be who God calls you to be. Be courageous. Fight for your family. Fight for your community. Fight for the word of God. Fight for God's will in your life and in the lives of others. Can you imagine how our world would look differently if every single man, their vision, their heart, their plan for life was not figuring out how I can get ahead, but rather how I can help everybody get ahead, how I can help others, how I can minister to that person in need, how I can show up in Guatemala and dig a well for a family that will never drink clean water unless I as a man show up and do it. Can you imagine how our world would look differently? And so God's word, the Apostle Paul tells us, man, be ready, be right, be tough. And I know all of you are sitting here kind of like when you ended up like watching one of those really the superhero movies, you know? And have you ever watched a superhero movie as a guy and then you see them do all this cool stuff and break down walls and you walk out of that, you know, the, you, I mean, come on, you flex, don't you? Do you flex? Be honest. Do you flex? You walk out, you think, man, I can do that. Sometimes you walk out, man, I, I, I want to go, I want to I I go catch some bad guy. I mean, you walk out of there flexing, right? So you walk out. So here's the deal. He tells us, man, be ready, be right, be tough. But then in a weird little U-turn, he ends with this statement. Be tender. Be tender. Look what it says. After he tells us to to watch, to keep our eyes open, after he tells us to stand fast in, in doctrine and God's word, after he tells us to be brave and be strong. And then he says this, and let all that you do be done with love. That messes everything up. Because you can't beat people up when you do everything in love. You can't walk through the room with a swagger like, oh man, I can take charge when... All that you do has to be done in love. It changes everything. And so the Apostle Paul, again, in this weird little sentence that he puts in the middle of the, the end of a letter, let it all be done with love. When we have a genuine and godly love for others, it will absolutely define how we act, and it will definitely define how we treat other people. And it takes us right back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of what love really means. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Fervent love for one another. I love the fact that when the Apostle Paul was sitting down and he was pinning this letter to the church at Corinth, the church that had all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues, a church that was like running in not only the wrong direction, but they were running like 20 different wrong directions at the same time. I love that right in the middle of writing that letter to the Corinthians, that God reached down and he, and he tapped Paul on the shoulder. And as he's breathing out all of the things that Paul is writing about love and all the things that Paul is writing, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I declare to you the gospel that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. When, when God was giving all of that to Paul to write, 
And as Paul's getting to the place where he's like almost done, like God is, uh, God, I'm almost done with what you wanted me to say. And I'm, I'm writing these last little words. And then, and then God taps Paul on the shoulders. Hey, I want you to put this in there. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. I'm so grateful that God breathed that into the heart of Paul to write. Here's why. Because today it is a message that we desperately need to hear. And we desperately need to hear it in a place that doesn't make sense. As you're reading through God's Word and you're coming to the end of the book of 1 Corinthians and you think you're now down to the last little greetings and and the last little statements and the last little kind of throwaway comments that Paul often did about, you know, bring me my coat because I'm cold and and Apollos is coming and, hey, take care of, you know, Timothy because he's a good guy. All of these things that sometimes we think are like not that big a deal. I love that right in the middle of that, God challenges us to be a man. And so today, as we allow ourselves to be shaped by what God's Word says, I pray that every person gathered in this room, again, ladies, I've not been excluding you today. What I have been doing today is prayerfully and hopefully, according to God's Word, giving you the thing that maybe you've been praying for giving you that thing that in life that we all long for. Because I can tell you as followers of Christ, here's what we should long for. Men, we should long for a woman who is a godly woman, who loves God with all of her heart and loves us and loves others as she loves herself. But ladies, what we should long for as ladies is a man of God. Not just a man. We hear that in the culture all the time. Man, I'm looking for a man. Quit looking for a man. Start looking for a man of God. And it will change everything. And so as we walk through today and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be a man. What does it mean to be a godly man? My prayer is it will change all of us, me included. It will change all of us to be everything God intends for us to be. It'll make stronger marriages. It'll make stronger families. It'll make a stronger church. It'll make a stronger community. It'll make everything stronger. And it all starts with recognizing who God is and what God has said. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it challenges us because we need it. God, as we walk through this passage and the passages that we're going to dig into in the next couple of weeks, God, I know this. I know this with all certainty. I know it is going to step on our toes as men and as women. It is going to speak to us where maybe we don't want to be spoken to. It's going to hit us where we don't want to be hit. It's going to challenge us where we, where we think that we're okay, but when we start really digging in and looking, we recognize, man, I, I, I'm not doing it God's way. So God, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you are going to say so that it can shape us. Romans 12, 2. 12, 1 and 2. To transform us into who you want us to be. 
And God, right now in this moment, I know there's somebody sitting in this room or somebody watching right now that doesn't know you. They've never come to that place where they have believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose again. And God, I, I, today, I just pray right now, Lord, grab a hold of them. Lord, we've been talking about being a man. It is impossible to be a man without also being a follower of Christ. I believe that with all my heart. You might could be a man in the world's culture. You could, might fit into their definition. But I, I know this. It is impossible to be the man that God created us to be unless we are a man who is longing for, running after, and seeking God every single day. Impossible. It's impossible to be a woman the way that God calls women to be women unless they are seeking after God every day. So right now, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray, speak to their hearts in this moment. Let them call in your name. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is going to be gathered here. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing. And as we do, we're going to stand and this altar is going to be open. It's going to be open for you to come and leave prayer requests. It's going to be open for you to come and kneel and pray. It's going to be open for you to come for baptism. Open for you to come to join our family here as a church. It's going to be open for you if you've got questions. It's going to be open for you if you are seated here today and you can't say with all certainty, I believe that Jesus is God's son. And I believe that he died and that he rose again. If you can't say that, and come down here and let us just talk with you about that. Let us pray with you about that and share with you the greatest truth that you will ever hear, that Jesus is the answer. Let's stand and let's sing together right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes to Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. 
And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.